Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the ITCAST Real Talk on Sex. I am your host, Nika Shirell. The ITCAST is our community outreach podcast that increases diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we're creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. This episode is brought to you by the House of Shirelle, and it is our last episode of 2023. So uh, if you missed any of the excitement this year, subscribe to our YouTube channel and check out our top 10 uh, viewers choice episodes. You can hit that QR code right there. And thank you for joining us for a wonderful year. So uh, we are also having a holiday sale. Visit TriggerHappyToy.com to get access to all of our holiday discounts and bonuses. Go. And we have some upcoming events. Um, we also have the Fetish Flea Market coming up in San Francisco, and we've got that QR code. You can find out more about that on Bloom. And other events coming up, our formerly known as the Global Sexual Health and Freedom Summit, now known as the International Institute for Sexual Empowerment's annual Global Summit. This year, we're focusing on reclaiming sexuality. That's going to be from February 3rd through the 10th of 2024. And what we're doing, first off, we're going to have a sale on those tickets. So make sure you hit the Sex Health Summit QR code. And what we're doing this year is we're taking participants on on a week-long transformational journey where we'll get to tap into ourselves, heal our trauma, deal with our social garbage, and then really set ourselves up powerfully in the world uh, to move forward with society. Um, so definitely check that out. We also have our weekly freedom support group all online Sunday from noon to one Pacific, and that is hosted by Ethology Collective and the House of Shirelle. We also have our Sunday brunch at Jolene's SF. Please go check it out. Hot babes, bacon, all the things I love, uh, and definitely support queer arts in the Bay Area. If you would like to get one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, you can visit my Calendly to book a free connection session. Please let me know how I can serve and support you. Also, ask us anything. We want to hear from you. Please click in the comments, leave your messages. If you want something answered in advance, go ahead and send that in for the show. And we'd love to get you those resources. You can also get access to our bonus content on Patreon. Subscribe to this YouTube channel and share with your community. Now we're going to dive in. This week's topic is real talk on healing our relationship with sexuality. Today in the booth, we have Kelsey Mave. Kelsey, she, they, is an embodiment facilitator, educator, and somatic trauma, trauma resolution coach dedicated to fostering transformative experiences. They are driven to establish safe havens where trauma survivors can reconnect with their bodies and collaboratively cultivate cultures rooted in consent, justice, and joy. Kelsey specializes in guiding individuals towards transmuting pain into potential, harnessing the power of embodied, soulful, trauma-informed coaching. With an extensive background spanning more than 15 years in facilitating embodiment, Kelsey adeptly weaves together practices such as somatic experiencing, depth psychology, trauma-sensitive yoga, and expressive arts therapy. 
Outside of their professional pursuits, Kelsey finds joy in harmonizing with the queer queer choir and acapella ensemble based in Oakland and immersing themselves in the study of Irish music. Kelsey, come on and join us on the show. There you are. Hi. <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful. So uh, thank you for joining us today. Let's start off by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're choosing to do the show. Thank you. It's so good to be here with you. And yeah, I think we're really what brought me on here was um, when we met at the Some of Us Festival, the Queer Music Festival yes. in Yosemite, California. And we were both vending at booths at this queer festival and just started chatting. And immediately you were like, you should totally come on my podcast because we were talking about sex and healing and queerness and creativity and artistry, which are all things we have in common. And since then, I have been listening to her learning so much from the other episodes and the other guests. And it's just really amazing to have a space with diverse voices talking about sex and talking about healing. And it's something that's um, so taboo in a lot of spaces or that doesn't, I, I don't think, get enough time in. Um, and so I'm really happy to be a part of it. I'm really happy to be here. I'm really grateful for the work you do. And, um, and yeah, and for your passion for, for opening it up for as many people as possible to be part of the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you know, I met you that day and we got to talking and I was just like, so many people need to hear this. Like, yeah. <laughs> incredible. So I got chills now remembering like, just, it was, it was the best. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about our relationship with sexuality. I know a lot, you mentioned it's taboo. Truth of the matter is we get a lot of garbage in there that stops us from really oh, yeah ourselves right enjoying life pleasure you name it um so i wanted to start talking about like the different types of sexual trauma and how that gets in and stops us yeah well i think that um a, a lot of people that i've talked to might assume that sexual trauma needs to be really explicit or maybe you've um seen you know, some horrific things on like on the news or um, like true crime and you kind of categorize everything into this, um, like it needs to be very um, outrageous to be in the category of sexual trauma, which unfortunately sometimes it is, you know. Um, and I think there's another layer of sexual trauma that is more in what you might call the gray area, which is very common and just as traumatic which is uh, that the majority of sexual trauma occurs in relationship with someone you already know, mm -hmm. somebody who might be in your family, in your community. Um, and it's not always like a stranger jumping out of a bush. And so sexual trauma does happen in relationship and it happens in relationship with other people. And what I think is difficult about the gray area zone is that of course we all wanna believe that the people we're in family with and community with are safe. Right. And unfortunately that's, you know, really not the case. <laughs> and so 
Yeah. Um, And it's interesting too, because one of the things I've discovered is it's not always intentional. You know, like people don't always know when they're crossing a boundary, when harm is being caused. And yes, there's of course like the situations of malintent, but then there's just also, I didn't know any better. Right. Right. So exactly. And that, and and you, you do not have to have malintent to cause harm, as we know. <laughs> like you do not have to have malintent to have an interaction with someone that causes them um, traumatic response that lasts the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And so even people with the best intentions can traumatize each other. Yeah. I love that you said each other, because that that's one of the things that goes missing where it always seems like, oh, my trauma, my boundaries, you did this to me kind of thing. And it really is a two-way street, like we're acting together, there's an energy happening. I remember I was speaking with one of my previous guests about um, consent being fully informed, like you have to know if you're consenting in any engagement. And the thing that came up was like, oh, well, what if your partner has trauma? Yeah. And that, (laughs) I haven't had that conversation before getting into bed. Like, wait, let's sit and talk about STDs and trauma. (laughs) Okay. I'm totally the one who will be on a first date. Like, let me tell you just like the overview of my trauma history. So you know what you're getting into. (laughs) Yes. You know, um, yeah, because dating someone who has trauma, which let's face it, most of us are. Like, you know, the more I work with trauma, the more I, I really understand it as like, it's not just like some people have trauma. And it's important to acknowledge there are differences in the levels of trauma. You know, you may have heard of the ACE study, which looks at different, um, it's, it stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. Okay. And there's different categories um, of things that they might consider an adverse experience in childhood. And it includes things like physical and emotional abuse or neglect or um, divorce or different things that are, you know, very common experiences for kids. And so the amount of, of adverse child experiences that you have um, as a child does correlate, they found in this study, to mental and physical health issues later in life, Mm. um, including, you know, complex trauma, including, um, I think the study, the original study was around obesity and diabetes, and they were looking at those more physical connections. So I do want to acknowledge that like, depending on your ACE score is just one way of measuring it. But like some people do have more, um, a, a nervous system that tends towards dysregulation mm-hmm. more and other people have a more robust nervous system that can handle more things mm-hmm. and everyone's unique, but the amount of trauma you experience does often correlate to more dysregulation and less capacity later in life and more chronic illness and disease. And so I want to acknowledge that first of all. Yeah. And that said, I'm like, if you're, if you're interacting with people, if you're dating people, if you're having sex with people, you're interacting with people who have trauma. 
You're having sex with people who have trauma. It's just like a different flavor, you know? Right, right. And we can do all the studies in the world, but like what's really important is like attuning to the human being who's in front of you. Yeah. And really getting caring. Like yeah. what, how will I know? Like when we're talking about consent, how will I know when you are in a freeze state mm-hmm. and you actually don't have um, access to a clear yes or no? Right. Because I want to love you in that way. I want to listen. I want to be able to listen. And like in my partnership, I've been in for, I think, four and a half years now. Um it's taken this time, but like, you know, I'm learning, okay, this is the unique dance that our nervous systems get into. And when my partner gets dysregulated, I, I go into this freeze place and how do they know that I'm in a freeze? And we're starting to be able to, uh, tell it's like, it's like, it's like when I go nonverbal, that's a clue. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I know I started noticing with them, like when their muscles t- get tense in their shoulders and there's a certain look on their face and I'm like, oh, they're dysregulated, mm. you know? And it's, yeah, it, I, you can even start, you know, before the blow up fight, if you could rewind it, like this is a good practice, I think for couples is like, okay, before the explosion, like what happened right before that? Oh, I went nonverbal and they started getting tight. Okay, mm. and what happened right before that? Oh, I started feeling irritated and they started feeling hot or, you know, I'm, yeah, yeah. Right before that. And you trace it back to the moment that the dysregulation started. Yeah. And that if you can start to catch it, then it's much more manageable. Like, Hey, I'm noticing my, my partner's shoulders are getting tight. Or what if we, what if I suggest that we pause Mm -hmm. or, Oh, I'm noticing that I'm having a hard time accessing words. Can I request um, that we pause so that I can offer myself some some care? Yeah. Yes. You know, one of the things you said that was so profound just now is like, if you are human, if you are breathing, you have trauma. Period. Like that is one of the things that I think we can all kind of get get on board with the awareness of whether we are willing to admit it to ourselves or not. Um, and I love that you brought up the nervous system. It's there's so many layers to that. And when we were talking about it and you were speaking about like nervous system and uh, and and consent, dysregulation, all these different things, um, we actually have a question that says, can you say more about dysregulation? Yeah, um, <laughs> so much. I actually, dysregulation is a term that I like to use to describe trauma actually, because, you know, sometimes we can think, oh, trauma means like something bad happened, like the car accident was a trauma or the the sexual assault was a trauma, but it's not actually the incident that is the trauma. It's the imprint that it leaves on your nervous system in the future. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I get that. You know, and 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 the way that our nervous system responds to an event 
is totally unique to each individual. Like two twins could get in the same car accident and have different responses. One could end up with trauma from it and one might not, mm-hmm. you know, um, which I find really interesting, but really, and, and so if you think of trauma as the response to an event and the event is just anything that your body perceived as terrifying mm-hmm. or potentially life-threatening and mm-hmm. a lot of things could fall into that category. And so if you're a small person, like if you're a, like a toddler, um, there's things that your body might perceive as life-threatening that if you were an adult might not be life-threatening. Right. You know? And so, um, and like, you know, epigenetics and ancestry has to do with this, you know? Yes. Ooh, yes. The um, of our ancestors. Yeah. So if there's something that historically in your lineage has been terrifying and, and you experience that your body might still respond to that. This is really, really powerful. During our conversation, you mentioned projecting trauma. And I want to make sure I'm really careful with bringing that up because when we're talking about, when we talk about projecting, it can kind of be like, oh yeah, that's your crap you're putting on me. And the truth of the matter is that it actually is a trauma response. Like I'm hearing you say like, okay, that's kind of a natural thing to do. What do you mean by projecting trauma? Uh, so I guess when you're in a situation and you just mentioned it, um, when it comes to, am I in a life-threatening situation? Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, okay. to, yeah, being okay. in a situation that's not. But <laughs> okay. I know what you mean. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. Right. It's, um. yeah. So I think what I'm hearing is that, um, so if you have, like, let's say you have a history of trauma. Let's say some something happened to you when you were a toddler and you got into a big car accident, right? I'm just going to use that as a more neutral example. Yeah. Um, then maybe when you're an adult, if you hear, like, someone honking really loud, you your body your might go into a full-on mm-hmm. trauma response. And this is, or you could call it dysregulation. So if regulation is kind of neutral... Like a regulated state would be like, I feel flexible. I feel fluid. I feel like I could hear a loud noise and I could respond Mm -hmm. appropriately. I could just be like, oh, that was loud. Maybe um, Maybe I'm a little bit shocked, but then I easily come back into conversation. Um, A state of regulation means that you can see clearly and you're using your peripheral vision you can see all around you. You can easily connect with people. It's kind of this safe and social state where you can laugh, you can hug, you can dance. You um, your body rhythms are going on a regular pace. Like yeah. your breath is regular, your heart rate is regular. There's like an inner rhythm of health and vitality. That's what I mean by regulation. Um, other people might call that physical body state, they might call that, um, what's the other word for it? It just left my brain. Um, oh yeah. I use the term safe and social. I like that one. Or they might use the term rest and digest. You know, it's the, it's the nervous system state 
where you're able to digest food and like, and it's a really, that's the state you want to be in for sex. You know, it, it's, you could, you could be playing, you could, could be going fast, you could be going slow, but what is really the, the difference is that you're able to be present. You can mm-hmm. feel your own body. You're associated, you're in your body and you can relate and attune to the other person. Yeah. And so what I mean by dysregulation to go back to that is like, it's an erratic heartbeat. It's either shallow breath or very fast breath. Mm-hmm. You know, it's when things are going too fast and you can't slow down or way too slow, frozen, and you can't get started. Mm-hmm. It's when your vision, your peripheral vision shuts down and you can only see what's right in front of you. It's when your muscles tighten and instead of feeling fluid, you're feeling rigid and and stuck. Yeah. And so that's what dysregulation is. It's a, it's a physiological state. It has to do with the hormones cascading through your body. It has to do with your what your muscles are doing. It has to do with what your breath is doing. And it definitely impacts your thoughts. Yes. So in a state of regulation, you're able to think reasonably. In a state of trauma, you have mm-hmm. dysregulated thoughts. So it can be on a loop. It can be very black and white, either or good and bad. And that is the state that you might be in to go back to the toddler who was in the car accident. If you're a grown adult and you hear a loud like horn honking, you might go totally into a dysregulated state and you might start having like really fast looping thoughts that your life is going to end. And you might go into a road rage and start like act like like yelling at somebody, you know, you might go into a fight, you might go into a freeze and, and stop being able to move. It depends on your body, but that's what I mean by projecting trauma. So in that moment, it's not that your life is actually threatened, but your body is experiencing the present moment as if you were still a toddler and as if your life was threatened. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That is, <laughs> and that's so very real because, you know, we don't want to dismiss something like that. It actually does impact our current moment. And one of the things I'm hearing is like, okay, if I'm approaching a situation and I am going to use sex because I think that's one of the things that um, when something can seem consensual, and I think that's one of the things that comes up a lot, yes. um, especially now in conversation where we're really digging into consent. I think it's a good idea to stop and say, okay, well, where is my nervous system now? Like, like, a- and assess, like, am I in danger? Yeah. Am I in danger? Am I perceiving this as danger? And I know when we were speaking, you talked about how trauma victims relate to danger and that being different. Yeah. And so I'd love to hear more about that. Um, Oh, and then we have a, a, a comment says, I can see how we could ignore our trauma and not be aware of what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're in a dysregulated state, you know, that, um, nervous system state, that we might call fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Um, you know, your your prefrontal cortex is not, you, you can't really use it as well. And so you're really not able to think um, with your full brain capacity. And so it's very convincing. You know, when you're in that place, it can really honestly, truly feel uh, 
like your life is threatened and those looping thoughts are very convincing. And so you can't really kind of like reason with someone's brain in that place. What I would recommend is like start with the physiology, get to a relatively safe place if that's possible. Nurture your body, help your body come back into a healthy rhythm, help your breath come back to a healthy rhythm, help your eyes orient around the space and look and see where there's safety. Mm-hmm. Help yourself connect with someone who's safe, and then your thoughts will follow, your brain state will follow, your understanding of what happened will follow the physiology. So I say physiology first, and then um, the awareness will come. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to grow awareness while you're in a trauma state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and if you do apply that example of the, the the toddler who with the car accident to sex, like if you were abused as a child sexually, um, or at any age, right? And then you're 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 hooking up with someone who might have a similar smell, or a similar body shape, or anything that reminds you of that other person, or if you start to feel sensations in your own body, including pleasure that Mm -hmm. reminds you of that abuse, you could experience the current interaction as abuse. And, um, or your body could start to freeze and shut down. Mm. And so when the current person is asking you for consent, like you might not be able to verbalize anything. Right. And that's actually happened to me as a multiple rape survivor. Um, I, experienced sexual abuse at a younger age and and then later in life you know in my 20s i could tell when i was just hooking up with someone that my ability to speak would just totally go away Mm. when i felt threatened in any way and so i would be thinking no i would be screaming no in my body and then I would be almost watching from above. This is my form of, dis- of dissociation. Yeah, yeah. Fly out of my body. And have you ever had that? And you look from above. And I'm like, oh, man, what's happening to that person down there? And I'm seeing it happen. And I'm like, gosh, you know, just say something. But I couldn't. Yeah. But then I experienced that as another abuse. Because I'm, I am experiencing a boundary violation. And then if someone comes back to me and says, oh, you could have said no, you should have said no. I'm thinking, actually, I really couldn't say no because I couldn't speak. And if I had had the awareness to tell that person at the beginning, oh, you know, I'm a multiple rape survivor. I have sexual trauma. Can you go really slowly? And if I'm not responding, can we just stop? You know, right. I could have asked that at the beginning. I didn't have that awareness at the time, but um, you know, that person could have been more attuned. They could have noticed that I wasn't speaking. They could have, I'm sure my body was tense. I'm sure that I wasn't smiling, you know? Yeah. Uh, but even if I had been smiling, like I, you know, like I think that this is the, the, detail that that if we really want to care for each other it's like really tuning in in the moment how's your nervous system are you right and and when you ask are you do you want to do this next thing listening 
if there's a difference between what they're verbalizing, like, yeah, yeah, okay. But like their body's tense or like, mm, you know, if there's hesitation, like really honoring that and saying, well, maybe let's pause. Yeah. That doesn't feel like a hell yes. Oh man, this is so good. This is so good. So, so many things are coming up for me right now. Just one of the things to to echo in what you've been talking about is, you know, the the ability to sense danger. You know, like that's another thing. So like having it be present, uh, projecting it and just what, like knowing whether or not it's happening. Um, the other thing, as you were talking about like, okay, well like, where is your nervous system? One of my biggest things, and and I'm just gonna be completely flat. Like, if like I would just kind of give up. It's like, okay, fine, whatever, whatever they want, and then hopefully they'll leave me the fuck alone. Not the way to approach <laughs> any type of encounter, and that's my trauma response. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that's a part of my own history and the way that I've learned to relate to sex. Where it's like, okay, well, give them what they want, and maybe they'll leave. Um, and I think that's one of the things that really paying attention to someone whenever that comes up. Like I know in multiple occasions where I was like, I was so fucking annoyed and I actually expressed my irritation and annoyance and they didn't stop. And so it's one of those things where not only do these things happen, but I know for me not being able to sense when someone's energy changes also puts me in a situation where I'm often yeah, experiencing multiple abuse. So oh, <laughs> I just had to like put that one all the way. Yeah, I have done that too. It's like, yeah, you're just kind of like, <laughs> this, will, this will make them go away faster. Yeah. yeah. And that I think would fall into a category of maybe a fawn response. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Or freeze. Freeze or fawn, if not both. Um, And I definitely think that there's a lot of dissociation with it. I know we talked about dysregulation, but let's talk like let's get a little bit deeper into dissociation, because I think that Mm. that's kind of the response. Yeah. I mean, it's a brilliant response. You know, thank God for dissociation, because it has saved me (laughs) experiencing some gnarly things, you know, and it can feel kind of, you know, it's, I feel like my clients are often surprised when, when they discover that like this feeling that they love is actually dissociation. Mm. Um, you know, I think we can have this feeling of like, Oh, being frozen, being dissociated is horrible. And sometimes it really is, you know, sometimes it really feels awful, but sometimes it's just like that floaty, lovely feeling of like, we're going to another place now, mm-hmm. you know, and there is an order in which the nervous system usually kind of tries out different survival tactics. Like the first thing might be flight or fight, right? Those are the things that might be able to change the situation and get you out of harm's way. And sometimes you can be triumphant. Sometimes you can get away. Sometimes you can fight and it's effective. And so if you're feeling frozen in your daily life, I actually would recommend this as a thought practice of just like remember a time when you fought for something and you won. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Or like, remember a time when you ran and you got away. Yeah. And yeah. that triumphant feeling, 
it can be like an antidote for the freeze because the freeze is what happens when you try to fight, you try to flight and you kind of, it's one of the last resorts. It's a, it's a deeper nervous system state or a dorsal vagal state Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, the nervous system is going a couple directions. Fight and flight are both sympathetic arousals. They're, they're making you go up and, okay. and move faster. A freeze is a dorsal vagal state and it makes you go slower and you're basically playing dead like an animal would. And yeah. that is a, it's a harder state to yeah. get out of. It tends to last longer and it can live in our nervous systems in a subtle way. And it's not a hundred percent like it's not like you're totally 100% frozen. Usually you're like 50% frozen, 60% frozen. You could be in a 25% freeze chronically for years. Mm-hmm. You could be in, you know, a 60% freeze and you're kind of looking, you're moving around. You're not like physically frozen, but you're still in a fro- freeze state. And so these, I know I'm using some some fancy nervous system language, but it's not like you're. It's all or nothing. It's more like an orchestra. So like, yeah, the, the cello is the freeze, and it's it's very loud. And then, the, but there's a little bit of bite in there on the violin that's like still going, yeah, yeah. and it's combined, and they're together. Yeah. So that's why you feel enraged and frozen at the same time. Mm. And then there's a fawn in there, which is how you can be talking to the person. And trying to please them, trying to say what they want to hear. That could all be happening at the same time. And so dissociation, I like to tell my clients, is like you could you could be sort of dissociated and sort of here. It's like you know, a helium balloon that has like a weight on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. The dissociation, it could feel pleasant. It could be like, bye, I don't like this situation. I'm gonna protect myself and go elsewhere. I could go into my imagination and hang out with my imaginary friends. I could fly out the window. Yeah. Daydream. Okay. And if you have one little percentage of presence anchored to the here and now, that can be helpful. That can be a lifeline and you can anchor more and more of yourself for people like myself who tend towards, uh, dissociation, uh, it's a practice of like, how much more can I get here? How much more can I be in my body? And like, even just like, like I talk to my, I'm like, hello feet. There you are. I have feet. I'm getting to try it right now. Like, I hands. Like, like even just talking about dissociation, I started feeling floaty. And so mm. like, if you want to do this with me, like just noticing like maybe the colors of your hands or the texture of the ground underneath you. Hmm. <sighs> yeah. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's like anchor on the balloon. Yeah. It's like okay, dissociation is not the worst thing, but it, you know we can come back from it. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that um, showed up, you were talking about, um, you know, what percentage are you dissociated? And I think about the freeze response. I think, and and this is just for everybody out there listening, watching, participating, um, that notice when you stop to breathe, stop breathing. Like that's a big one for me. I used to, and I didn't even notice it. People would be like, breathe. All the time, just breathe. (laughs) And I wouldn't be talking. I wouldn't be anything. I'd just be like there. 
but they could sense that like I had stopped breathing. And I can definitely acknowledge that as a freeze response. I love that you said playing dead. I'm like, oh, you just explained so much of my trauma. Great. <laughs> and it's good. It's good to know these things. Yeah. Oh, um, you talked about getting in your body and like being weighted. So I'm hearing really we're leading into some somatic like healing work. I know that there's a lot there. So let's talk a bit about, let's talk a bit about somatics. Yeah. Well, soma is the body, means the body. And somatics is like the practice of being more and more and more in your body hmm. when your awareness can be in your body and really the practice is being in your body and noticing when you're in a state of more regulation because again it's an orchestra so it's not like you're 100% regulated or 100% dysregulated and it's more like a combo that is constantly shifting. Someone makes a comment, you don't like it. Mm -hmm. You're going more dysregulated. Someone gives you eye contact that feels like a warm hug, more regulated. You know, someone gives you eye contact that's like a look that could kill, more dysregulated. You know, like mm. it's constantly changing. It's like a song. Yeah. And if you can, it's kind of like learning to surf the waves and like, when you practice somatics, what I like to think of my, one of my missions or, you know, North stars in this work is like how there's so much, you said in the beginning, there's so much trash out there. Like when it comes to our bodies, when it comes to sex, when it comes to like what it really is to be a human, mm -hmm. there's a lot out there that's really not good for our organisms, like in so many ways. And so how can I attune? How can I pay attention to health? And I don't, I don't really mean that in, um, in the way like the health industry talks about health, but, but I mean like, how can I attune my body to like the, the flow of the river and like the spaciousness of the sky and like the natural support of like my diaphragm. That's just, rhythmically moving and how can I embody more and more health in that way in the way of like the health of the, of the whole planet organism because and, and grow that momentum because trauma is contagious and it has a momentum and when you're around someone who's stressed out you can feel it and you tend to get more stressed out and trauma is is contagious in relationship and family systems and in cultures, mm -hmm. but healing is also contagious and that healing momentum can grow and it can get as strong or stronger than the trauma momentum. And that is really my goal yes. for my, my own body, my own life and how I feel as a practitioner. It's like, yeah, I'm coming into sessions and I'm lending my nervous system to people who are struggling with dysregulation. And so I'm coming in there practicing mm -hmm. feeling my feet and then there they can feel that. 
and I'm like, can you feel your feet? And they're like, I don't know. But then we practice it together and eventually those pathways in their bodies become stronger and it becomes their go-to. Mm-hmm. I've seen it happen so many times where people are like, wow, it's like a whole new life. Yeah, Living in my body is like, it's like getting a whole nother chance at life. Mm-hmm. It's very different than living in a chronic state of stress or dissociation. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. Um, one of the things that came up was the idea of trauma bonding because that's real. And I think that actually is one of the things we grasp at when we actually need the healing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel for us. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying, you know, we're like, oh, you're hurt in a similar way that I'm hurt. Like, or you're, you remind me of my abuser. Like, let's get real close. Oh my God. Oh yes. And and the whole dysregulation, the dissociation, it's so I feel like it's so very common. You know, we're using these fancy words, but really it's just when we are disconnected with who we are with ourselves. I love hearing that. Um, so talk a bit about long-term sexual recovery. Is that yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's like I think we all wish there could be some sort of like quick fix. (laughs) Yeah. But what I find is that trauma recovery in general is like a long-term commitment, you know, to yourself, to your body. Um, And it's like a really moment to moment practice of becoming more present. And with sexuality, I think it's natural with or without sexual trauma to go through different seasons of your sexual life. Yeah. And through different uh, fluctuations in your desire and in your body, you know, and like physically what's happening and and what, you know, like in different stages of your hormonal journey, you know, of your identity awakening, hopefully there will be lots of seasons and chapters of that, you know, hopefully we get to explore. That's why I think this podcast is so important because like, we're meant to grow and evolve and change. And there is kind of like a normative script of what sex is supposed to be and look like this, like cis heteronormative, you know, um, arrangement. And I'm really hopeful that, that, you know, I'm I'm feeling emotional about this, but that, that there's more and more tools available for people to actually listen to what's what's real and kind of not just try to contort into those shapes um and i think that that's as much a part of long-term sexual healing as you know healing from specific boundary violations or abuse is also just like healing from these cultural like lies about who who we are and like what is and and what quote unquote normal right um pleasure pleasurable and and if you're in a dysregulated state or in a trauma state pleasure can get really tricky because well that's a whole nother topic (laughs) like you were saying about being able to assess danger Mm. you know when you have experienced trauma it can get really scrambled and confusing and you can begin to 
really couple danger with pleasure. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You can be in, you can have the experience of thinking that you're safe when you're really unsafe or thinking that you're unsafe when you're actually safe. So you could be with a partner who's really trying to listen and, and be consensual and you could be having a trauma response from a past um, boundary violation, for example. So you're relatively safe, but you're feeling life or death. Or you could be in a really dangerous, sketchy situation, feeling totally like without your guards up. Yeah. And then bad things could happen because you 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 got spidey sense in time. Yeah. And it's in trauma land, you know, we call in somatics, we call that like you missed the orienting cue. Okay. There's certain cues that might orient your nervous system to I'm safe or I'm not safe. And when you've experienced trauma in this, especially sexual trauma, especially like family sexual trauma and these very intimate places, it might get very scrambled in your system. And so one thing I think is really helpful is being able to differentiate. This is what safety feels like in my nervous system when I'm alone and when I'm around other people. Mm. This is what a safe person feels like. These are the clues. This is what a safe person feels like. This is what safety feels like in my nervous system. These are the clues. And start to really like name them and spell them out and differentiate them because they can get very muddled together. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, anyways, there's, there's specific practices for that. I like to guide people through, um, Love that. Can, yeah, it can be really like, um, mind opening to realize. Yeah. Well, you know, and one of the things that came up for me is not being hard on ourselves. You know, I think that we have gone through, and I, I, I will use I statements. Like I've gone through so many things that in my in my time, it's really easy to be hard on myself because oh, I didn't do this thing, I didn't follow that rule. You know, like whatever the things are. And I love that you said sexual seasons because that changes too. I remember when I was young and it was like, oh, I'm going to find a man and get married and then we're going to have kids and it's going to be blah, 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 off into the sunset, happily ever after. <laughs> then I grew up. <laughs> and it just, it's such a different world. It's such a different world. And the older I get, the more I hope that like my experience and journey with sex and sexuality will evolve and change because, you know, there's there's the fantasy that eventually it's going to stop. And then there's the like weird thing that people don't want to acknowledge that like, it doesn't have to. Like old people have sex <laughs> all the time. Let's stop assuming and judging and playing in the stereotypes. Oh, uh, I love, I love a lot of what you said. And one of those things just about like, what does safety feel like in my body? What is regulated? And just like making little like mental notes and mental notes of like, oh, I think about this and that totally throws me off. Mm -hmm. Mental note. That is so helpful. I can tell right now that I'm categorizing things yeah. <laughs> already. Um, yeah. So one of the things you mentioned, and I know um, th this will uh, th this will probably spawn into a whole other beautiful series of conversations, but um, pleasure and justice and access to pleasure were a couple of concepts that you brought. Can you share about those? Mm, 
Yeah. I mean, well, I think part of this has to do with, you know, how we might conceptualize trauma, but there's like, specifically with sexual trauma, there's like the, there's a lot of different layers to how the trauma might impact us in our bodies and our, our spirits, you know, our, our emotional bodies. It doesn't just affect the physical body. It also affects your energetic body. It affects your emotional body. It, it affects your spirit, you know, and it mm -hmm. affects the future generations. If you do have like children. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of one of the things that, that comes to my mind when I think about sexuality and justice and healing is that um, those other layers of cultural experiences like really impact our bodies and how we might show up to sex or to relationship in general. Yeah. It really affects your nervous systems, um, neuroception which is how you assess safety or not safety mm -hmm. right and so if you're a person who's been experiencing systemic oppression right if you're experiencing the oppression of the cis hetero um gender binary as like a trans person or a gender queer person right if you're experiencing the violence of white supremacy as a person of color like the way that you show up to to sex is going to inherently have all of that. You know, you're going to be scanning for danger in those ways. Or not, or which not. is the trippy part. <laughs> like, oh, okay, it's a or have it, Yeah, have it be checked out. Yeah, so I think that, yeah, I think that kind of being aware of that with each other mm -hmm. could help because you might not be aware of it. And so it's just like, I think one of the most loving things you can do as a partner is just kind of tune in and you might not even know, maybe your partner has a, like a disability that's not visible that you're not aware of, but that they've experienced a lot of harm around in their life. And so if you say something in the sexual encounter that would trigger that whole momentum of drama from a lifetime of microaggressions, Yep. Like that might break trust in your relationship and really affect your sex life. Yeah. Yeah. And so how can that be more part of the conversation of, or just like a way of caring for each other? Hmm. I mean, around like, <laughs> you know, early dating, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And these are the things we have to talk about, like, and really be willing to talk about them. You know, when we talked about like, you know, informing our partners of our trauma, you know, it's, um, there are things that can easily be missed, easily be missed. Um, even if there's things that would seem, there's nothing that's obvious. Even if it seems obvious, there's nothing that's obvious. Yeah. And I love that you're talking about like the cultural, societal, systemic elements of it, because that reinforces the trauma, that reinforces the pain. It really does. And it's that thing where, you know, someone gets raped by the football player who's like bringing all the money to the university and then they try to speak out about it. Nobody listens, you know, because the system is totally supporting the football player. Um, and so it's that thing. It's like that thing when I was raped in high school by, you know, a popular kid. All my friends went to his party anyways. Right. You know, and so there's the 
harm of the actual physical violation. And then there's the betrayal of the people who witness that and do not acknowledge what they've seen and do not acknowledge the extent of the harm that they've seen. And I do think that with privilege, you know, that people have people in places of privilege have blind spots and like sometimes really have a hard time seeing the harm that they don't experience personally. Yeah. And so I think there's a huge cultural blind spot around a lot of the harm that happens sexually because the people who are most impacted by that violence don't tend to be the people in the places of power, you know, yeah. which needs to change and is changing. Um, yeah. But I think that that perpetuates a lot of the really toxic cultural narratives that really don't give a space for survivors to be validated and, or even listened to. Yeah. Let alone attuned to their every need, which is what oh, we were yeah. <laughs> Right? Oh, pampered and asked, what exactly do you need and want and desire for your highest pleasure and safety? You know? I, and you know, it's one conversation at a time. That's like, that's how we get there. Just keep, like, don't let it go silent. Don't let it go invisible. Yeah. You talked about like the the people in power and like who gets to be heard, really. It's like who gets to be heard. And one of the things that I see is just don't stop talking. Just don't stop talking. Um, okay, tell us a bit about a uh, bit more about your work, what we can do, how we can find you, all the fun stuff. Oh, um, well, I'm a somatic trauma resolution practitioner, and I have a one-on-one -on -one private practice where I work with people um, to heal from all sorts of trauma, sexual trauma, uh, a lot of medical trauma, um, a lot of chronic illness is actually connected to earlier um, trauma. Um, and yeah, I love that work. And then I also lead uh, groups for people who want to learn kind of the foundations of somatics. So, you know, how do you start building a relationship with your body when your body feels like a scary place to connect to? And so I guide people through um, like embodiment practices. And um, I also do education around the nervous system and around some of these concepts so that you're empowered to, to really start being able to do that inner tracking and know, you know, um, what's, what's happening under the surface. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, in the chat, we're putting up a free course that I have called five days to expand your resilience that helps you. Yeah. Experience more of that momentum of health that I was talking about. Um, and it's a free five day course at where you get a different practice each day and you get to try different ways of connecting with your body and connecting to a sense of safety through movement, through meditation, through journaling, through education, um, through somatic practices. Mm, yeah. That's beautiful. Click that code, everybody mm -hmm. out there, click it. That's, that's huge. Yeah. And what a beautiful gift, you know, really guiding people through these practices and making this work available. It's, it's beautiful and it warms my heart because we all need what you do. Mm, thank you. Yeah. yeah. And we all need what you do, helping, <laughs> you know, helping us to not stop talk. Yes. About, about what really matters, you know, and about 
um, yeah, just like other stories of, of sex and healing. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you for being on the show and doing all the work that you do. It has been a pleasure having you here today. Um, yes, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much, Nika. It's been a real honor for me to be here. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so everyone out there joining us today, we wanna say thank you for uh, watching the ITCAST. The ITCAST is our community outreach podcast that increases diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. This was our last episode of 2023. Let's give it up for Kelsey, who is an amazing guest. And yes, um, and you can check out new episodes January 19th, 2024. Uh, again, if you missed anything from this year, go subscribe to the channel. Our top 10 viewers choice episodes are right there. So you can see all the amazing things that we did. Um, and then check out our events. We have the San Francisco Fetish Flea Market coming up tomorrow, and you can get all of that information on Bloom. We uh, also have our Global Sexual Health and Freedom Summit coming up, uh, now known as the IISE, International Institute for Sexual Empowerment's Global Summit. We are doing Reclaiming Sexuality this year, and it's going to be incredible. February 3rd through the 10th, tickets are on sale right now. Go get your ticket. Keep an eye out, um, you know, this holiday season. And join us. Join us for this week-long transformational journey. It's going to be beautiful. Um, and then, uh, and always, you can check out our weekly freedom support group. That is a resource we always provide for free for the community out there. So join us Sundays, 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific, and that is hosted by Ethology Collective and the House of Sherelle. Uh, if you are local, check out Jolene's and SF for their Sunday brunch. As I mentioned, bacon and babes. Again, I can't say it enough. <laughs> one of my favorite things to do. And uh, and then if you want to get one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, feel free to book a free uh, connection session on my Calendly. Ask us anything because we want to hear from you. Thank you for your questions, comments, and anything else you put in the chat. Uh, it's wonderful to just engage and provide these resources. So um, here we go. Get access to our bonus content on Patreon. Learn more about this work at theitcast.com. Subscribe to this YouTube channel and share with your community. Thank you, everyone, for being with us today.